Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Going to be talking about why it's so hard to leave unhealthy relationships. Look, it's hard to leave relationships, period, for some of us. Um, you know, how, how comfortable we are leaving is sometimes tied to... Well, how desirable we feel we are, what we believe is possible moving forward, damage that's done, time and energy. Lots of reasons as to why um, people just want to kind of stay put and we want to stay comfortable. So we're going to be breaking that on down all night. If you got a DM for us, questions you got, topics you want covered, drop those in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Love hearing from you. Past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Um, yeah, you know, there's no one singular theory as to why anything happens psychologically or relationally. It's always a lot of uh, intersecting, compounding, synergistic impacts and uh, parts of our history that are brought forward into the future, reenacted. It's quite fascinating. There's some people where they're like, every time you're in a relationship with someone, there's you, there's them, there's their history, there's what the two of you co-create, there's there's cultural stuff woven into there in there, there's our gender, trauma, so much. Uh it's amazing that any of us are ever able to really get into or pull off relationships. Um and we don't really have good relational working models. I mean, that's something that I consistently see with patients in my practice is you know, no matter what the reason might be that someone enters uh, therapy, there's always work to be done around what do you think are the healthy components of a relationship? Do you know how to be a good partner? We don't really have good answers for this because a lot of people have never, ever sat down and talked about it or thought about it. No one's ever said to them, here's what are the qualities of a healthy relationship. So just pause and ask yourself that question. Do you know what a healthy relationship looks like? And if you're in one, a relationship, how do you know whether or not you're being a healthy partner? What are you using to assess that? And most people, the answer is, I'm not, or I don't know. Or, yeah, I could probably rattle some things off, but I'm not necessarily analyzing or applying that to my actual relational life. And we have to. So if nothing else tonight, I want you to walk away tonight's show saying, huh, it's a thing. It's a thing to consider. Let me think about that. How am I impacting the people whose lives I'm a part of? what work needs to be done. We're really good if, if challenged or, you know, we're really good at assessing others, but we're not great at assessing ourselves. And that's really what I want us to think about and talk about self-reflection, you know? Um, so all of that's in there. And like I talk about on the show sometimes is we have this arbitrary concept called market value. 
And that is changes by culture, changes culture to culture, time period to time period. But it's basically the qualities that we've been raised and socialized to believe are required or necessary to feel attractive in the world. And that's in there as well. Um, but we're going to break down some of the finer points as to why it is really difficult to get out. But we're not going to talk about um, why relationships are toxic or what signs you have to look for to know that a relationship is toxic. We're just really talking about why it's difficult to break that bond. Um, I posted something on my social media that I want to kind of just call out pulling it up. I said, we learn what a relationship is really about by how it ends and also by how we are during that ending. At every important phase of a relationship, we get to learn about ourselves as a relational partner, but also what we really think relationships are supposed to be centered in. And I always say it's supposed to be about transformation and care, (laughs) not getting or gaining something. But we think in those terms in our culture, like what's in it for me? How does it impact me? But it should be, I want to transform and be transformed. I want a companion to go through life with. I want, I want, I want to care for someone and I want to be cared for. And so then the questions become, if your relationship is rooted in an ethic of transformation and care, we aren't let off the hook because it's ending. That is still a time when accountability and self-reflection and compassion is required. But somehow we think if it's ending, all bets are off doesn't matter how we act anymore. It doesn't matter how we impact this person anymore, but it does. It, it, it more importantly does because remember endings are what's most powerful for us. We can very easily ignore all the gifts or beauty of a relationship if it ends problematically or harshly. I said to people when they go on vacation, don't overload the end of the vacation. You might leave exhausted, really retroactively redefining that entire vacation based on it ending with exhaustion or conflict. So do a lot of stuff on the front end and make it easier and lighter towards the end. But relationships are the same way. It all counts. And how you end a relationship says more about your mental health, what kind of partner you are and what you really value most in a relationship. And if it's an ethic of care and compassion, you exit that way as well, knowing that you are still accountable and responsible for each other more so in those difficult times. So the show's not about that. We're going to talk about why it's hard to leave so that we can get a better understanding. It's really about normalizing, building some empathy, but then challenging ourselves as well. Because regardless of why we can't leave, regardless of how hard it is to leave, sometimes that is still what we need to be working on doing anyway, you know, because we can make actions and make decisions that are separate from how we feel or what we want. Those are two separate processes, but we tend to collapse them and think I have to act based on how I feel. But healthy people feel something and act differently. They act based on their ethics and their values, you know? All right, we'll be back. um, And we're going to keep talking about why it's difficult to leave relationships, especially unhealthy ones, which is shocking to people, but those can be the hardest ones to leave. So stick around. You listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back talking more about relationships. So uh, stick around. Don't go anywhere. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we are back. Talking about why it's really difficult to leave unhealthy relationships. But look, globalize that. It's healthy. I mean, it's hard to leave healthy ones. It's hard to leave relationality. Now, I've talked on the show about the interpersonal neurobiological underpinnings of relationships. So don't want to get too much into that. But but know that that's an aspect of it. We're going to talk about more of the uh, psycho, emotional, social driving forces and that difficulty of getting out. But um, yeah, because listen, when we feel deeply about someone and we build intimacy, and sometimes with the use of affection or eroticism, we attach. The attachment system is a powerful, powerful internal system. It's both a um, uh, philosophical working model that we internalize, but then there's also a bio, neurobio component. The neurobio bio component is that when we attach to someone, which can come with intensity, it can be about time, it can be about emotional experience, but for some of us, we attach very easily. And you can tell when you're attaching to someone because they mean a lot, you think about them a lot, any perceived uh, abandonments or threat to them or the relationship, Ooh, you really feel that powerful response. That's because our brains and our nervous systems has, have wired, which is in fact what we're wanting them to do. That's a healthy sign. That's why I get very disturbed when people talk about things like, people can't make you feel anything. Uh, yeah, they can. It's called empathy. It's called mirror neurons. It's called social contagion. It's called inner subjectivity. It's called limbic resonance. All these different terms for it. But yeah, we are supposed to connect and bond with other people powerfully. It's an internal system. We want that to be online. So we do need others. We do fuse with others. Uh, healthy attached relationships are a, a fusion, like a child and a parent. We have those same needs to be dependent on others and to co-regulate via the presence and support of others throughout the duration of our lives. We are never independent systems. We are not meant to be. But in our culture, we really force that. So when someone seems overly dependent or reliant on partner, we get very upset because that's against our American ethics of individualism and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and only counting on yourself. And none of that is true. And in fact, it's very toxic. So I just want to kind of call that out. We're not shaming getting really attached to a partner. That is, again, a healthy system. In fact, I, I worry about those that aren't attaching. That's not a good sign or a very avoidant or are, you know, really, really mandating individualism and a lot of space and separation. Um, that's not good. And that's not really what, what our nervous systems are built to do. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of popular books out there that really support this idea of separation and distance. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but, um, if you can read between those lines, we don't want space and distance. We want to actually have fusion and closeness and connection because that's how we thrive. And that's what our brains and our nervous systems require. And that's a healthy sign. 
the attachment system is uh, one of the most empirically validated things that we have in interpersonal neurobiology is about how to work with that. So la 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 la, right? A lot of big words, a lot of big theories. All that really is distilled down into is the soundbite of we need others. It's healthy to be dependent on others. It's healthy to want to be co-regulated by others. It's healthy in a primary attached relationship to not feel secure or comfortable when we think we might have lost our partner, when we can't get a hold of our partner, things like that. So we're not shaming that. But topic, the main topic. Okay, so I got, got a little distracted by my new French vanilla coffee. <laughs> I'm not going to do a plug for French vanilla coffee, but flavored coffee is my new favorite thing. Um, okay, so what are the reasons why it's so hard to leave a, uh, a relationship, uh, especially when it's unhealthy? I'm just kind of generalizing. Uh, one of the things is that I talked about this on another show. I was referencing the relational escalator, this idea that we've all internalized, that there is steps we need to take for our relationship to be legit, for it to be adult, for it to be moving in the right direction, for all sorts of stuff. And none of that is true. Those steps don't promise anything. You can have love, care, and commitment, and trust without those steps of like, you know, exclusivity, monogamy, living together, having children, buying a home. Like we're always like looking for the next step. And it's such a mindless thing that we do. No one ever says, why do I really want that? Is that really going to provide what I think it's going to provide? There's nothing wrong with going through steps if that's what you want, but just at least choose it. Um, and don't assume that that provides anything. Those are just things that's performative, you know, and they do have a lot of value and worth, but I, I want to hold space for some people that want it alternatively or differently. And that's part of the, one of the number one reasons why it's hard to leave a relationship because we assume a couple things. We assume that if a relationship ends, that that means something is bad or wrong or something's wrong with us. We also then devalue the relationship. And that's not fair because the quality or length or health of a relationship is not determined by the time it exists. Um, relationships ending are not failures for the person or the relationship. Not all relationships are meant to go on forever. We outgrow friends. We can outgrow a partner. That doesn't mean we didn't or don't still love them. But sometimes we grow in different directions. It's such a myth that we should all grow at the same time, in the same ways, in the same direction, and always be compatible and aligned. What a bizarre concept. We used to only, we used to die when we were 16 or 24. Our relationships didn't have to last that long. Now we're expecting them to last happily for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. That is strange and bizarre. That is a huge expectation. I think the longer we live, the more we're going to see divorces and breakups because what worked in your 20s or what worked in your 30s is not working in your 60s, 70s, 80s or beyond. It's beautiful when couples can grow together, but not everyone will. And that's okay. So that's part of why some people are struggle to leave a relationship because they're afraid that they'll be perceived as a failure and it gets worse based on gender and age. We give a little more latitude for men to be single. We don't for women. Um, and then also it's gendered. That, that was the gendered part, but also we, we want to feel like an adult. Um, we, we are also trained to, to see the loss of a partner or lack of a partner let me say it differently. We're also socialized to believe that if we're not in a relationship or relationship ends, that we inherently have a lack, that our life is less than, that something is missing. Hear those words. Those words are going to generate a lot of emotions, a lot of anxiety and fear, lack, missing, but that's not necessarily true. Going to come back and keep talking about that because I think those are really important key words. 
and they'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. Past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and we're kind of challenging this idea that if you're not in a relationship or a relationship ends, that that inherently means something's missing, something's wrong, that there's a lack. What a horrible concept because you could have a beautiful life where you are thankful for what you have, um, nothing feels wrong or off, you are full of finding joy or not. Maybe you're just going through the normal difficulties of life and everything isn't always ideal and there's some things you're trying to work on or build into your life. But imagine if among all of that, you're single and, 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 and you don't necessarily feel as though anything's wrong or different. You might realize that partnership could bring some pluses, could also be some minuses, but everyone's treating you though as though there's something wrong and something needs massive attention or a relationship ends and it's assumed that that is bad or wrong. It, it is, it's unfair meanings that are applied. And that's why when someone tells me that they're having a child or someone tells me they're leaving a relationship, I don't inherently say congrats or I'm sorry. I say, tell me what that means for you. Because for some people, having a child means something good. Others mean it means something bad. They don't want to be pregnant. Uh, for some, leaving a relationship or ending a marriage is a great thing. And it's a success because it went as far as it was meant to. And they realize it isn't right for them. And for others, there's sadness because it was what they wanted and it's being taken from them. So everyone has to apply their own meaning. But part of why it's hard to leave a relationship is, like I said, because we assume that that means something's wrong. Something's been taken from us. We now have to go back out there. No, you don't. Singledom's an acceptable position, but we have a lot of fear of it and we pathologize it. Um, so many think that they'd rather just be with someone than to not have. But remember, when we're with someone relationally, that brings with it a whole host of benefits, but also deficits. And we don't want to just have to have without any kind of consideration for, does our life require another person brought in? Who are we bringing in? What impact is it having on us? And why are we making that choice? I say that about everyone, no matter what relational style they have. Someone's getting married, I wanna know why. I wanna talk about the benefits and the deficits. I don't inherently assume marriage is always a good thing. Sometimes that decision is made from the, uh, not an important part or a healthy part. Same thing with monogamy. I want to know why you choose that. Let's talk about the benefits and the deficits. Just like if someone said I have an open style, polyamorous style, whatever it is, I want to know why. I always want to understand someone's reasoning. Are they mindfully making that choice rooted in their own value system? Or are they just going with the flow because that's what they've been told they need to do to feel like an adult or because they care about someone and they've been trained to believe that that means you have to get married to honor that love? No, you don't. No, you don't at all. People really think that if they leave a marriage that they'll be seen as a failure. No, you won't. Sometimes that is a success and that's a courageous thing to show your children. I have clients that are afraid for their children to see a divorce, but that is part of life. In fact, it's more common than not. 50 to 70% of relationships have someone cheating and more than 50% of relationships will end. We need to normalize going through the process of realizing this isn't the right partner for me anymore or my needs have changed. We need to normalize that. It shouldn't have to be such a heavy, heavy, heavy heavy burden that is so stigmatized. And that is part of why people stay in relationships that aren't healthy for them because they're afraid of stepping into what they have without that, having to explain themselves, having to get back out there and date, feeling as though they're a failure, feeling as though there's a major lack in their life. It's not, that is not a good reason. Um, <clears throat> here's another reason why some people stay in unhealthy relationships. 
And this is something that I will use a movie reference for. It's called, you don't have to really understand the word. Don't, you don't have to know the word, but understand the concept. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. And basically that is when someone's afraid of letting go of something or exiting something because of the time they've already put into it. There are some people, for instance, that will continue to sit through a really bad movie because they've already sat there for the first hour and they're like, well, I've already given it an hour of my life. I might as well finish it off. I don't agree with that. And that's a fallacy. It's called the sunk cost fallacy because you're, you're losing more time by giving it another hour of your life, that crappy movie. And some people do that with relationships. They're like, well, I've already given it a decade. I might as well just give it the next three decades. No, that is horrible reasoning. That's horrible reasoning. Make decisions about whether or not you finish watching a movie. Make decisions about whether or not you stay in a relationship based on the impact it has on your mental health. <laughs> whether or not, and, that, and I mean that as far as whether or not you're even enjoying it. You're allowed to leave things because they don't make you happy. You're allowed to quit the soccer team or the kickball team because you're like, I don't enjoy it. There's no such thing as, well, you started it. You need to finish it. That's horrible reasoning. Horrible. Leave because you're not enjoying it anymore. Quit the team because you don't like it. Leave the relationship because it's not fun anymore. Quit your job because it doesn't bring you joy. Whatever it is, that's a mental health perspective. How does this impact me? Do I enjoy it? <laughs> that's huge. But some people will stay because they think I've already put some time into it. That is horrible, horrible reasoning because that completely doesn't look at the impact it's having on you and those around you. And that's that, that should mean more. What does it mean to be a part of this? What would it mean to leave this? Don't stay just because you already put time and energy into it. Horrible. But we live, we lead our lives like that. I mean, really think about all the things that you've held on to or stuck with because you already put some time or effort in. And think about what the quality of your life was like while following through for these arbitrary reasons. You know, um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. So stick around for that questions, topics, always confidential, helping others out as we're helping you. So if you got a question or a topic, drop it in there. Uh, Loveline IG page, past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge post, re-listen and share lots of good stuff. Cause remember y'all, we're working on challenging our thinking, replacing it with better, <laughs> with better perspectives. And it's all about practice and repetition. Stick around and listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I've been dating this new girl for about four months. Her sex drive is insane. It's all in caps. It is insane. It's a little bit of an ableist term, but we'll go with it for right now, which I really loved at the beginning. It was fun. It was new. See? <laughs> that, let me just point this out. This, the exact things that we love about a partner especially in the beginning, will be the exact same things we don't like about them down the road. It'll be the shadow side. You might say in the beginning, oh my God, they're great. They're so high energy, so bouncy, so full of joy. Soon it turns into they never shut up. Oh my God, they're always talking. They're always moving. They never sit still, blah, blah. It's the same thing. So it's like when you, when you first meet someone, acknowledge all the things you love about them and you have to hold on to that positive version of it and not be shocked when you see the dark side. And when the dark side shows up, you have to say, but I also love that aspect of them. You know, it's annoying that they're always talking, but I'm also glad that they're so full of joy and energy and you have to hold both. As humans, we struggle to hold both. It's called dialectics. Both are true at the same time. I love that trait and I hate that. They just frustrated me, so I'm mad at them, but I also love them. They're the same person they were before they made me upset. They're both 
both. We have to hold both. But we'd rather make someone all good or all bad. And that's why we love them in the beginning and then we hate them in the end. No, it's both. Um, anyway, back to your question. <laughs> Sex drive is wild. Loved it at the beginning. It was fun and new. But now... Look, it's only four months in, y'all. See, four months in, and they're already like, too much. But now that we've kind of settled down, my work schedule's picked up. It's a little exhausting. Constantly feel like I'm telling her no. And to be fair, she hasn't taken anything the wrong way. But I feel bad that I'm not really giving her what I used to. I know it's early in our relationship, so things aren't that serious, but I'm already feeling sad. Okay, here's the deal. You cannot just say no. If nothing else, I want you all to learn from the show, hopefully more than just this one thing, but you can't just say no. Whenever a partner makes a bid for our attention or attempts to initiate some form of intimacy, affection, sexuality, just wants to talk, whatever it is, you have to offer something. We don't want to outright and fully and completely reject a partner trying to connect with us. So it's okay for you to be like, Hey babe, working on the computer, not interested in having sex right now, but come here and cuddle with me. Hey babe, not interested in penetration, let's make out. Hey babe, was gonna cook dinner, don't wanna get down and dirty, but come here and let's, 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 I don't know, hold each other and I'll give you a kiss and then I'll cook. Receive them in some form. You don't have to do exactly what they want, but you have to do something. When a human being tries to get your attention, they come before the phone, the computer, the television, all the time. If you're on your phone, just put it down, connect with them. But the sex piece offers something. Hey, I don't really have the energy to have penetrative sex or get down for a while, but let's just make out. Hey, sex isn't really what I'm down for, let's cuddle. Hey, not really looking for sex, um, let's, let's go for a walk. Hey, not really want a penetrative sex, let's just do oral. Hey, don't really want to do oral, let's just masturbate together. You have to offer something. We don't want to just reject because then what happens is they resent us, we resent them, they stop coming to us because they feel shamed or ignored, and then the problem's worse. So I appreciate that you don't have the time, the energy, or work schedule, but you do have the time and energy to provide something, something that's intimate, something that's connective, something that says, I see you and I care about you, but I can't give you exactly what you want. And that's a non-sexual and a sexual skill that we need to have. Bam. We have to promise that. We have to be able to offer that. And every situation allows us to do something, you know, there's this word sex is such a wide umbrella. We need to learn how to let it be one of those pieces, affectional, sensual, or erotic. Because if a partner is coming to you to want to have sex with you, it's either that a, they want to connect. And so they should be happy to receive anything. B, they want some pleasure. Again, all those things can provide pleasure or C, they want to get off. And that's still a potentiality as well, but it shouldn't have to always mean intercourse. We have to be better and bigger than that. That cannot be always what's expected, you know, because we're not always going to be ready for that, up for that, the energy for that, interested in that, but we want to receive them somehow. All right, you got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. You're helping others as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, excuse me, always anonymous, always confidential, and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Check out some of the other shows while you're there. But uh, we got more to come, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around because we will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking tonight about why it's so hard to leave a relationship, especially when they're unhealthy. People are like, oh my God, it's a mess. Get out. And it's like, well, it's deeper than that. You know, what is my sense of self and my worth and desirability? Do I believe that there's more to come? How willing and ready am I to step back out into the dating world, if at all? 
am I willing to step into what culture has told me is now a missing component or a lack because I'm partnerless? That sounds exhausting and stigmatizing. Um, <clears throat> do I want to go through the identity change of no longer being an us and a we, but now just being an I? Uh, do I want to lose the barred functioning that I got from having someone to lean on and the co-regulation? Do I want to go down to just one income? I mean, there's so many reasons why people struggle to leave. Um, are you a people pleaser? Are you able to set boundaries and to exit when you need to? It's all in there. What are your boundaries like? Um, let's talk about the fact that some people think that maybe change will come. Oof. Now that can be something that is terrorizing. All we can do is assess what could be down the road based on what is now, what has been already. The his, you know, history and the past are the best predictors of future behavior. They're not perfect. People do grow and change all the time. We never know. And we don't know what parts of them will change or in what direction. We don't know that it'll always be beneficial. We don't always know that it'll be in a way that makes it truly compatible or healthy for us. And that's why part of being in a healthy relationship is accepting the partner as they are right now. Yes, we're allowed to make requests for some growth and transformation, but we have to, to some extent, accept them exactly as they are. And for some people, when they're thinking about what it's been like, it's really hard for them to imagine something being better. Or we misplace that hope and we make assumptions about it, it getting better. It's hard to leave when there's always that chance for improvement. Um, I work with people that work in different careers, different industries. The entertainment one tends to be one of those where the question comes up, like, how do I know when I have tried all I can to be an actor, singer, performer, and it's time to figure out something else because they'll say it could have just, it could be this, just this next audition that I nail. If I just hung in there one more week and it's like, we'll never know. And that's why I always go back to what's the quality of your life right now in this relationship or this process. And that's all we can count on is how it literally is now. We know that change is always going to happen, but we never know in what direction. And so I always come back to that. What's your mental health like as part of this relationship? We don't know what change will come or when or in what ways. But that hope, that hope is so tyrannical. Um, I think hope is really important, but I also think hope can be misused. And I think we can misuse it against ourselves. Another reason why some people struggle to leave relationships is because your worth is tied to them. They are a respirator for your ego or your self-esteem. They give you finance. They give you status. They maybe change your class, the class that you're a part of, your socioeconomics. Um, and, and again, bring into that gender and cultural stuff where some people are not treated like a full adult unless they're married or in a relationship. Um, and like I said, going from two incomes or whatever status or socioeconomic rise that partner gave, you might descent without. And so that's in there too. But again, that goes back to what I said before the break about, you know, identity change. That's massive. We all have different things in our lives that give us worth and value and identity. For a lot of us, it's our career. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. I'm a chef. And we make the work that we do part of our identity. But for other people, it's the relationship. I'm the husband or wife of. And for others, like I said, it's class-based. They feel like their status because their partner is wealthy or, or has a professional identity that they can benefit from um, or fame or something like that. And that's meaningful because remember, when we form a relationship, there's a fusion and, and we, we gain and we lose based on who we're with. And that's why like, you know, the ego test within a relationship is to welcome whatever benefits a partner can bring, but not completely being dependent upon them 
for our functioning and for our self-worth because there's a fragility in that. But that's the same for someone whose self-worth or identity is tied to them having this perfect gym body or um, their own finances or even their career because those things are fragile. Anything outside of us that we are tying our worth to is inherently fragile. We lose jobs, we lose money, we lose our, our beauty, and so all of that is fragile. And so are relationships. And a lot of people hide within their relationship. They don't have worth and value without that. So what does that mean? It means if you're one of those people, start to develop more sustainable, solid things that you tie your worth or identity to. Ideally, I'd love for everyone to tie to what impact we have on, on the world, our, our, our character and integrity and ethics, um, being people that take care of others and being, being people that look out for harm and all of that. I mean, it's a whole nother conversation, but tying it to things that have sustainability. Anything material, objective, anything we can touch, anything outside of us inherently has that fragility. We've talked about that when we talk about happiness, that happiness is not tied to that. Those things are about bursts of joy, but happiness is really about contentment, ongoing things that are internal. Um, <clears throat> all right, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about reasons why it's hard to leave relationships, which really is just a better understanding as to why we are even in them and what they benefit, how they benefit us. Um, but if you got some DMs, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page because uh, you know the drill. We'll be closing the show out with that. Stick around, though. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere, y'all, because we'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about why it's hard to leave relationships. More confusingly for most when they're even unhealthy. Uh, before the break, we we're talking about because we sometimes attach our worth and our status to the relationship or our partner. Understandably, exiting that relationship or losing our partner means we lose that status or the class that we've shifted into, right? Class, different socioeconomic um, positions. So that's in there and I was saying that like, look, don't be too dependent upon all that because it's very fragile. Um, also not knowing who we are without that relationship, which is a very difficult thing. Um, our identity is tied to it in that we know who we're traveling with. We know what our weekends are generally gonna look like. Um, we rely upon them for different duties and tasks. And so it's really hard to imagine taking that all on ourselves. And that creates a lot of anxiety. Um, we have to trust that there's more to come. We have to trust that we can step in and manage our own lives. That borrowed functioning, that's a beautiful part, that support, that co-regulation that a partner provides, it's very scary to imagine life without it. <clears throat> we then have to rely on ourselves and everyone else in our life. So what's the heads up? We'll start to do that now. Also, um, people pleasing. For some people, they don't know how to disappoint or frustrate others. We did a whole show on that. And part of working on being the opposite of a people pleaser, someone who's boundaried, someone who asks for their needs, someone who's okay with being disliked at times, we know we're not being a people pleaser when we're willing to disappoint and frustrate other people, when we're willing to say no, or when we're willing to prioritize what we need, sometimes to the detriment, or like I said, frustration to, of others. That's what that work has to look like. And for some people, that is why it's hard for them to leave a relationship because they'll disappoint or frustrate that person or those around them. Um, <clears throat> not everyone's been raised in families or social circles where they're able to practice that. Remember, whatever relational dynamics we are socialized within our families, our social networks, those things become very familiar and normalized. 
And it sometimes takes an outsider who's away from those systems to say, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. Or wait a minute, that's not okay. Or wait a minute, that's kind of toxic. Because in our lives, that's always been what we've seen. That's what we've expected. That's what we've always gotten from our family members, our friends, people we've dated. So we allow. And so we stay. And then someone says, a therapist or a friend from a different social world says, wait a minute, that isn't okay. And we go, whoa. I've had to point out to some people um, in a more loving, supportive way, but essentially I've had to say to them, you're in an, you are in an abusive relationship or you're in a toxic relationship. I'll have to point out that their partner or even they themselves are maybe emotionally abusive. But again, they were raised in families where all of the things that they were around were emotionally abusive, or that's what they've been with partner wise. And so to them, they think that that's just part of being in a relationship is that sometimes you're called names, sometimes you're put down, sometimes you're controlled and your boundaries are ignored. And so when I point that out, they're like, oh, wait a minute, that's not normal. And I'm like, no. And even if it is, even if all your friends and family members do that, it isn't right or it isn't healthy. And so that's part of why some people let things go or they stay longer or don't leave at all. Because they don't know that that's not okay what's happening. Or they're so familiar that they feel like, oh, I got this. So it's a double-edged sword. It's fascinating. I think that's one of the most important and also interesting parts of my job is breaking that cycle. Because these people unconsciously will just keep pushing it forward. They'll normalize it. They'll normalize it in their friends, in themselves. They might have kids and normalize it in their kids. Keeps getting taken forward. So part of stopping this intergenerational transmission of these things being normalized is someone finally saying, that's not okay. And I'm going to start calling that out. That's also how you start doing that reparenting work or work through the trauma of all that is better behavior, new behavior, transformation, corrective experiences, demanding better, being better. That's part of that work, but that's one of the saddest things I see. That's also tied to the cycle of abuse, which is why some people stay because it might be really bad, but when it's good, it's not just good. It's great. And that becomes a trap because they're like, but it's so great. Sometimes that's the trap. So they're willing to deal with it being so bad. Sometimes see how that works. You're like, ah, but that weekend we had, or part of the cycle of abuse is they love bomb you, which means after that toxic abusiveness, they swoop back in to steal you back. They compliment you, tell you they can't live without you, buy you tons of gifts. And that gets very confusing because it feels like there's repair. It feels like we're going to be okay. Hope is reignited, but then they abuse again, but then they swoop in and love bomb again and confuse us by making us think it's going to be okay. Or like I said, it's really bad, but then when it's good again, it's actually great. And that gets confusing and that becomes the trap because you're like, but look, and it's like, ah, yes, but look over there. Look at how dark and toxic and and abusive it can also be. So that becomes very confusing for people. Again, especially if that's all they've ever known because they've always only been in abusive relationships with family members, friends, or their parents, you know, early origin stuff, family of origin stuff. So to them, they don't know any different or any better. And I have to tell them, no, there is better. And I'll have to explain to them what they should be looking for. And their minds are blown when I say, yeah, actually they shouldn't name call. Actually, when they make decisions, they should consider how things impact you. And they're like, wow. And I'm like, ah, yes, they should be consistent. They should be reliable. They should look out for you. They should make you feel better. They should actually be encouraging. Your functioning should improve when you're with them or because of them. And people are like, wow. That's sometimes one of the hardest, most distressing parts of my job is seeing what people are put through seeing what people do to each other, seeing what people allow. 
That's why I'm always calling for better ethics, really considering the impact we have on others, tracking how we are as a partner based on the quality of life of our other. That's how we know. Like I said, we know for a good driver based on the comfort of the passenger. We know for a good partner based on the comfort and mental health of our partner as a result of our behavior. They're the assessment tool. Ask them how you're doing. They'll tell you. They'll tell you what you need to improve on. Healthy people want to know that. Healthy people want to have a positive impact on people. All right. Coming up next, we can keep talking about uh, why it's hard to get out of a relationship. Sprinkling little 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 motivators in there. Stick around, y'all. You'll listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We're back. Finishing up our discussion of why some people stay in unhealthy relationships and why it's really hard to leave. Um, talking about our identity, talking about familiarity because that's what we were raised in or that's all we've ever known. It's what our friends and culture normalize. So we're not even aware that something's wrong or something's off. Um, also, we confuse sometimes chemistry and compatibility. Remember, chemistry is lust and fire and how drawn you are to them sexually and romantically. That's awesome. That's important. Value that. Enjoy that. Seek that. But compatibility is more about what's it like when our personalities come together? What's it like on the day-to-day? What's it like when I'm with them when we're not all in affection or sex and eroticism? What is that like? Do we enjoy doing the same things? Can we have healthy conversations? What's it like during conflict? That is where compatibility steps in. And that means more. That speaks more and says more about the quality of the relationship, not the chemistry. But some people get very confused by that. If I'm not attracted to them and the sex is that good, well, then the relationship is good. Not true necessarily. Or they think that's reason enough to stay. No, because your mental health is impacted by the other stuff, which really is what occupies most of our time in a relationship with someone else. The sex and romance and affection is such a smaller component. But the day-to-day, what it's like during conflict, I always say that How we are as partners during conflict and difficult times says the most about us as a couple and speaks more to how our health is on the line here and how we're impacting each other. So look to that. How are you as partners and what's the relationship like during dark, difficult times? But again, people stick around because of the good times. That's the trap or because the fire's there. We're so drawn to each other. The sex is so hot. That is the trap. Um, also some people really, really, really get hooked, I guess is the right word to say on the drama. Some people aren't really good at maintenance phases when the relationship's just neutral, when things are just good, they feels boring to them, you know, but then they're in a relationship that's got a lot of spice, a lot of dynamicism. There's a lot of fighting, a lot of conflict, and that feels exciting. Even though it might not always, quote unquote, feel good, it still feels exciting and dynamic. And that also can be a trap. Um, Here's another one. This, I think, is an interesting one because there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of complexity. This whole idea that relationships are hard and relationships take work. Yes, relationships take work. However, they don't take that much work. They take a lot of work, but they shouldn't take that much. Sometimes I think our assessment of how much is too much is off. And you'll hear people say that, well, relationships aren't easy. Relationships are hard. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's a limit. And I think that, that, that again, that, that, that narrative um, really normalizes some of the struggles that shouldn't be normalized. Because again, we don't have really good role models or templates for what's expected or what's reasonable. And I keep going back to that. Where do we learn 
what's expected, what's reasonable. Well, we look at the world around us, what our friends are doing and dealing with, what our, what our parents were doing or dealing with, maybe celebrities we track or shows we watch. But that's a horrible barometer because they're all operating in the same way you are, just making assumptions based on what's most familiar culturally. And I think culturally we allow some things we shouldn't. And that's when I do shows on things like toxic forms of relationship or toxic forms of monogamy, which are these normalized things that we all just kind of nod our head along with, but are really, really unhealthy and unkind. And so really ask yourself, like, what's your definition of healthy versus unhealthy? And is it a too big of a definition or is it too small of a definition? Does it include things that are toxic and abusive? Because that's what you're making a lot of these decisions on. And that's why, again, some people stay because their definition allows too much bad behavior or the opposite. They leave too soon because the smallest infraction, they run for the hills. So it's really important for us to learn about ourselves and to understand what is our definition? What is our tolerance? What influences do we have around us? What kind of messaging are they giving us? We can, we can learn a lot that way. Also looking back at the relationships we've been in, what is your pattern? Are you someone who stays too long, leaves too soon? Can you point out forms of abuse in past relationships that maybe you're still normalizing and allowing or the opposite? Can you find moments you're really proud of yourself for expecting better, demanding better or leaving? Really like really work with yourself. Our relational histories tell us so much, but so do the narratives we have on what, what is healthy, and what's unhealthy and where did those come from? Because I find some people, like I said, allow too much and others don't allow enough. And it's really about finding that sweet spot. Because again, we don't have to be in relationships. We're better off generally for being in them and we maybe want them. So they should be something that are an asset, that are enhancing, that um, positive transformation. We're expanding, not shrinking. Made better, not made worse. More secure and confident, not made more anxious. Our lives are maybe made easier, not consistently harder. Even talk to your partner about that. I think there's something awesome about that collaborative discussion and exploration of this relationship, um, this topic. All right, y'all. Uh, DMs coming up next. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back to. We'll be doing that in a past episode of the show is always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. Binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of stuff to unlearn and relearn, so check that out. But uh, yeah, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my fiance and I have been together for three years, engaged for six months. He's been the most supportive person in my life, and I am so thankful for him. Well, look at you. Congratulations. I do my best to show him that I appreciate him every single day. See, that's key. Couples get real good at calling out what's annoying, what's frustrating all the time. Get really good also, more importantly so, at what you value in them. Compliment them. If you're in a relationship, compliment your partner as much as possible. And if you're not willing to, you got deeper problems because you're with someone that you do not want intimacy with or you have resentment. But in a healthy relationship, we focus more on complimenting, praising all the time. Five to one. For every insult, criticism, or put down, which we shouldn't be doing at all, actually, you need five praises or compliments. Oh, yeah. Um, I do my best, you said, to show him, blah, blah, we got it, you're awesome. Last week, he came to me practically in tears, saying that he felt unappreciated. Shocker, right? Because you're like, hey, I'm giving it to him all the time in some way. I swear I thought I'd been doing everything to make him happy, but he says it's not enough. I kind of feel like in a weird way, he's getting scared of getting married. So he's coming up with this excuse. But if he really does feel like I don't appreciate him enough, how can I show him that I do? You got to ask him. It's not a secret. Yo, bro, you said I don't appreciate it enough. You enough. You said that I'm not showing you enough that you're a value. What can I do that would communicate that to you? Um, it kind of falls back to that like love language thing. You might be expressing care and appreciation in the ways that you feel appreciated and cared for. If you like hearing compliments, you're probably then complimenting because it feels good when you get them. So you're assuming it feels good to him to give them. It feels good for him to get them, I should say. But that's not how it works. We have to understand how our partners best feel loved and cared for. And we have to do that. Yes, we want our partners to learn how we give it and to see it as such, so that's the work. So if you're a human being 
in a relationship, your job is to both understand how your partner best expresses love to you so you can see it in their language and be like, oh my God, those compliments are them showing me they love me because they express love with compliments. Awesome. I'll start to see that. But you can also say to them, what also I most value is when you do acts of service. So when you are thoughtful and do things for me, that makes me feel cared for. And then you have two vehicles of that love coming at you. So for the writer author of this question, you're not expressing in ways that it's felt. So you have to say to your partner, how do you most feel loved? And their answer can't be, I don't know. You have to say, well, then take some time and think about it. Think back to when you've most feel loved by me or someone else you've been with. What did they do or say that did that? Or you say to them, track it for a while. And every time you feel cared for, call out what it is I did or said. It's their job to tell you. It is not your job to just know or to figure it out. Put it, put it back on them lovingly. You let me know, babe, when you figure that out, and I'll be happy to do that. But it's not your homework to turn all Inspector Gadget, hire a private detective, and read a bunch of books on it. Say, ask them. It's like people that want their partners to know what they like sexually. <laughs> no, you tell me. Put it into words, figure it out, and tell me. And if you don't know, how the heck would I know? Give it back to them lovingly. You tell me what you need to feel loved. You tell me what you like sexually and I will do it. But you have to take time to figure it out. This isn't something we're going to maybe bang out right now in two seconds with answers. But give it back to them. Let him tell you. Problem solved. But I think sometimes we think it's for us to know. We should know. No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't know anything. We don't do mind reading. That misguides us, misleads us. It's patronizing to the other person. We'll make assumptions about our about what we want and place and project it on them. We'll make assumptions about our exes and place it on them. We'll misread. We don't get to build the intimacy that comes with these kind of conversations. We don't do it like that, you know? That's just keeping ourselves safe and comfortable. So um, there it is. All right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, and past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen, all sorts of good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow night though, so uh, join us then and uh, spend the rest of the night focusing on leisure, pleasure, (laughs) self-care. Be done working. Drop the bar for yourself and for others. You know, we're trying, we're trying, life is hard enough y'all we're not trying to amp the intensity up we're actually trying to drop it down you know but um yeah take the rest of the night and focus on some self-care some pleasure and some joy you know or at least or at least plan some for tomorrow um yeah we'll see you though as always thanks for hanging out you enjoy the rest of your night have a good night this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 